chance of rain just at 20% on Saturday. Right now, 69 degrees and cloudy skies at 9.05. I'm Michael Kaiser, DWS News. A penny for your thoughts is up next here on DWS. Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join out on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Filling in for Brian this morning is Scott Beatty. Well, good morning and welcome to this Thursday edition of A Penny for Your Thoughts. And welcome into summer officially in about another minute. We'll be at officially four hours into the summer season. As you heard Michael say, it arrived at 5.07 this morning. Certainly would be nice to see the sun, although things are a little bit cooler today, which is appreciated. But getting a lot of rain as well, and that may continue throughout the day. So I uh, hope you can enjoy it. The longest day of sunlight. We always like to say it's the longest day of the year, but, you know, every day is, in fact, 24 hours. But the most sunlight of the year... It, it kind of depresses me in a little bit because now I know the sunlight is going to shrink for the next six months. And I and I was just getting used to it, just enjoying it, although I've got young kids. It only helps them to get up out of bed even earlier. Anyway, it's a penny for your thoughts this morning, and we have an open line here for much of this first hour. I'm going to check in with CBS News political consultant Leonard Steinhorn in just a moment as the big news of the day continues to be the immigration debate and the executive order signed by President Trump yesterday. Got a little bit of perspective there from uh, Leonard Steinhorn for a few minutes. But you, are, as always, are welcome to weigh in on that national topic or any other topics of interest to you at 356-9397. You can uh, text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. You can also email at talk at wdws.com. Later this hour, Stephen Bentz from the Virginia Theater is going to stop by, and we'll hear a little bit about the upcoming season and the happenings at the Virginia Theater. And in the 10 o'clock hour, it's Luke Boyce from Shattered Glass Films, one of my favorite people to have a conversation with, is not only to hear about what is going on uh, there locally at uh, Champaign-Urbana's film production studio, but also just his take on uh, films at large and what's going on in the movies. So we'll hear some about the summer movies that are out. And if you can have a question uh, for Luke, you can do that as well. We're out a little early today at 1030 for Busey Money Talk. So if you do want to participate in the open line, I encourage you to do that here in this hour as uh, we go any direction you like, as always. That's part of what we've done for many years, m many years on A Penny for Your Thoughts, is uh, create a space here for open conversation amongst you in the community. Also, uh, tomorrow we will have Carl Gannat from Champaign-Urbana Mass Transit District. He uh, heads that up, and we'll get the latest what's what's going on there. I'm kind of bookending the week. We're with some transportation stuff. We started the week out with Gene Cossey from Willard Airport, 
and we'll finish it up with the buses around town and what have you so you can uh, hear from Carl tomorrow. Also, Carol Varell will stop by in her latest installment, uh, looking in at podcasts, looking at cold cases. That's tomorrow. And the tech world with Darren Holt. He's our manager of information technology here at News Gazette Media. And uh, he will welcome your questions, what you have, uh, questions about uh, the technology, trends. Maybe you're looking for solutions to something. Uh, so Darren Holt is tomorrow as well here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. 356-9397 is the number to call. Some of the other things we'll be watching today is uh, is the Supreme Court decision that may come out today or tomorrow about Ask Me versus Janus, and that's all about unions and whether uh, union members uh, should uh, be paying for essentially those who are not opting in on the union but still benefiting from it. So that's uh, another topic today that we are watching for. Right now, though, we want to bring in CBS News political course, uh, consultant Leonard Steinhorn, who has been watching this immigration uh, situation very closely as anyone. Good morning, Leonard. We appreciate your time. And I'll start with this. Looking back over this last whirlwind of a few days, is it accurate, Leonard, to say that this was a Trump policy that has been put in place, or was it a problem indeed with the laws when it came to separating families and children? Because it seems like there's spin and rhetoric all around this. Well, the president certainly put this into place in practice and said that they were interpreting the laws this way. And then by signing the executive order, basically undid the practice of what they decided to do. Now, the fact that uh, he said that they're not going to separate families doesn't mean that there aren't still issues, legal or legislative, to deal with. But he didn't have to do what he was doing. Prior administrations, Obama and Bush, didn't implement the law the way this president did. So, yes, this was a Donald Trump action based on the laws and legislation that sort of uh, create, create sort of difficulties in terms of implementing the law. So just a quick bit of background here. Faced with the exact same legal situation, President Obama put into place what uh, has been called by some the catch and release program. What that means is that you would, you know, sort of if you caught people crossing the border with children, you would detain them. But because the law as it stands from a 1997 consent decree said that you can't keep children for more than 20 days, they would keep them in detention, then they would release them and then say, we're going to send you a summons to appear in court to adjudicate your situation as to whether you can be here legally or not, or whether you would be deported. And this President Trump uh, criticizes catch and release. So he wanted to undo that, and therefore he said, we're going to separate children from their parents, and this is how we're going to interpret the law. And it just has created a big mess, as we know, and this is why he had to reverse himself. After saying then that Congress needs to fix this, and he was pretty adamant about that, as was uh, Department of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen. Also, why did the president sign this executive order? Was it even necessary to to reverse the action? 
Well, I think it was necessary because he wanted to uh, sort of make a formal official statement here, but he could have literally picked up the phone and effectively undid this order just by phone call and say to Jeff Sessions and to the Department of Homeland Security, stop doing that, keep these families uh, united. But sort of the subtext here is that uh, in, in doing this and reversing himself, the president exposed to a lot of Americans that he wasn't telling the truth about the origins of uh, of what he was doing by saying that his hands were tied, the law was telling him to do this, this was all about Congress or the Democrats put it into place with the law. None of that stuff turned out to be true. So there's a subtext here, which is that to a lot of Americans on a very emotionally charged issue, it was clear that he wasn't telling the truth because yesterday he did exactly the opposite of what he said uh, he he was able to do. Leonard Steinhorn is with us. He's a CBS News political consultant. Uh, Leonard, the political consequences of this going forward, this is a president who has uh, defied the norm in many ways, but uh, will this build his political capital or is he spending it? Well, look, for his base, they saw him as being tough. Um, they perceive immigrants as a threat, um, a threat to our culture, a threat to law and order, a threat to our economy. And so his tough approach on all of this was a signal that, you know, he was fulfilling campaign promises that he was going to be very, you know, hard nosed on the issue of immigration. So insofar as his base might be unhappy that he reversed himself, the signal that he was sending them was, I'm going to be tough even if it takes all the, you know, standing up to the political pressure and even if it takes dividing families, you see that I'm serious on the issue of immigration. But the flip side of that is when you have children involved, when you have families involved, when you have audio tapes of children crying out for their mommy or daddy and pictures of small little children who basically no one can call a criminal uh, simply because they crossed a border, um, that tugs at people emotionally and asks us what type of country we want to be. And you have to imagine that a lot of those sort of independent suburban voters, a lot of women saw these pictures and say, wow, this is pretty cruel, this is pretty heartless, do I want to be associated with a president or an administration or a party that could actually do this? So politically, this may actually work for the president by keeping his base solid, but it may work against him if it means that a lot of people in the middle who may have voted for him in 2016 say, I don't want to be associated with this stuff. I'm going to look for an alternative. CBS News political consultant Leonard Steinhorn. Leonard, thank you for weighing in for a few minutes with us. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It's 9.15 here on A Penny for Your Thoughts, and I know a few of you are already lined up here to weigh in as well on this on an open line. We will get to you in just a moment. Appreciate Leonard's time there. It's Penny for Your Thoughts. This is A Penny for Your Thoughts, and I'm Scott Beatty. I'm in for Brian Barnhart this week. I appreciate you being along. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to have your company here for a couple hours and be with you this week. Next week, Brian's back after a week of vacation, and uh, he'll have some good guests lined up for you as well. For this part of the program, it's an open line, as always. 356-9397 is the phone number, and the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 351-5357. To the phones, and it's Greg. Greg, good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I just want to 
talk about, you know, uh, Mexico, uh, that, you know, they've been a, a neighbor and ally, whatever, business partner for, for a long time. But, you know, they, they're they on the verge of, of becoming a failed state, a narco-terrorist state. Uh, they've had judges and police officers murdered there this year. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's getting out of control. And uh, it's a little disingenuous to sit there and act like this, you know, uh, what's been going on at the border the last couple weeks, that that's all the, the current president's fault. Uh, there were children being taken from their parents during the Obama years. Maybe they weren't taken for as long. Maybe there wasn't as many. But that's like saying, oh, well, this murderer didn't kill as many people, or he only did it for a few years. He didn't do it as long as this one did. Uh, I mean, that's a dumb argument. And uh, I think that's the problem, uh, you know, when people are trying to pull Trump's supporters away from him. uh, They use lies. And Trump supporters aren't that stupid, okay? We're not going to we, – we've been filled up with these lies our whole lives by the media, and we're sick of it. And that's why we're not paying attention anymore. And, you know, that's why they're not getting anywhere. That's why they're not taking Trump supporters away from him, because we're fed up with the lies and we see through them. What's the now, lies that you've – you think have been said the, here the lies uh, okay uh, this issue. oh trump created this mess and and you know uh, no trump didn't trump's been in office for two years you can look at congress chuck schumer mitch mcconnell the guys who've been running the show for 30 years okay they created this mess on the border and then they want to sit there and use it as a political chip against the current president well it ain't gonna fly because his supporters We've caught on to the game, okay? And uh, I think personally we ought to just shut the border down, declare a national emergency, shut the border down completely, and make Mexico deal with processing and sending these people back to their countries of origin. They don't want to pay for a wall. They don't want to help us with border security. The other day their Congress threatened to quit cooperating with us on uh, fighting the drug cartels and terrorism. Okay, if they don't want to help us fight uh, the criminals, then shut the border down. Make them deal with it themselves. Okay, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. It's three five six nine three nine seven. The number. And here is Zoe. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning. Um, I will. I'm not agreeing in any way with your guest, uh, except that I will say that yesterday I heard about one man that. Had a little boy, a little, I think it was a little boy, maybe a little girl, forget. Um, it was a Guatemalan, and, and he had been through a terrible ordeal. And he came to a port of entry, and his child was taken away from him. And that, you know, in a bureaucracy, bad things happen sometimes. And he did get the child back in a few days, but it was sad. Um, but, but in the main, that is, that does not happen when people come to a port of entry and that your guest I didn't hear the first part but if if the second part of what I heard is an indication of what he was saying you know he's not objective and he's lying and I'm going to call him out 
Um, You're talking about CBS News political consultant yes, Leonard Stein. Political consultant, my foot. That's why nobody listens to the mainstream media anymore. I mean, most people, a lot of us don't, because because we know that's what we're going to get. And the pictures they they put up of of the uh, the, the what's you know, the children being held in cages and so forth. Those pictures are from 2014. Who was president in 2014? Uh, president Obama was. Uh-huh. Barack Obama was president Correct. in 2014. So Correct. you're saying that CBS News and, and NBC News, they're putting up old images, not current yes. ones? Very Yes. It's very powerful, and it's been very effective. And it's also, why did this just come up in the last few days again? It's to take the focus off the IG report, and you notice we've been talking about this for like three or four days and not talking about the IG report, and it's this huge Watergate, and it's not being discussed. Yeah. So that's all I have to say, Scott, and I do wish you'd have a guest on who give the other side of this. Okay, appreciate the uh, phone call, you. Zoe. Yep, 3569397, however uh, you are giving air time here to uh, those of you who see anything differently. Uh, Although uh, Leonard Steinhorn, I think, just offering his analysis as opposed to uh, his opinions. Uh, Jim is up here on on Penny for Your Thoughts. Yes, uh, good morning, Scott. Uh, I got about three things. First of all, I want to know if you or anybody else has ever seen a Border Patrol agent interviewed on CBS, NBC, uh, you know, all the mainstream media. I want to know if anybody has ever seen a Border uh, Patrol agent interviewed. I'll guarantee you, you have not seen any of them. And uh, just a few exactly. days ago, uh, just a few days ago, Jim, we, we aired an interview with the supervisor of Border Patrol agents down in the Rio Grande Valley area, and it was conducted by CBS, I aired it on the news hour. So the answer is yes. You did. One. One time. Well, I've seen several of them. Uh, There was a black guy last night and a a Spanish, both of them. And they're telling that they are overwhelmed and they say that these lies, I mean, these mainstream medias are calling them Nazis down there. I mean, our Border Patrol, they're, they're Nazis. They're Keeping these kids, well, Trump too. They're keeping them in. Uh, when you say mainstream media, are you talking about people that are appearing on national media outlets, or are you talking about reporters yes. referring to them as Nazis? Yes, the ones that are on CBS, CNN, and all that—they have called these border patrol agents Nazis for keeping them. This guy explained it. He said, well, "Let me tell you something." He said, "When we get these." people in, they are kept in a cyclone fence so we can watch them. Now, if we had a solid wall or put them in a room, we wouldn't be able to watch them. This is the same fence that's around every school, but he he said, boy, the mainstream media is not going to tell you that. We're keeping them in dog cages, he said. This is a big lie. Well, the conditions are one thing. I think the bigger issue that people have been upset about are separating parents and children. Well, you know, you know, uh, this is another thing. If I go through down here and I break the law, I, all my kids are, are grown. But if I break the law, they're going to put me in jail, and, and you know, at least I'm on trial, and I'm going to be separated from my kids. And I'll tell you something else, Scott. You know what's what's reprehensive? You know what is reprehensive? 
It's not the and last night they said there's sixty kids that are separated. There's two thousand over two thousand kids that have come to the border unaccompanied by uh, uh, you know uh, parents or older people. Now you're not going to see that unless you watch just a little bit of Fox News and let these guys be interviewed down there. And they're they're underpaid and they're underfunded and all that. And these people, they said that we we get these people in there, and they are script. They have scripts. They're scripted. Every one of them say the same thing. So, been, so Jim, can I ask you? Are you supportive I'm of President Trump's executive I order? Am, then I am very. Yeah. Okay. That's another thing. The, the Democrats just went nuts about this executive order. Now, he signed it yesterday. Now, you know what Schumer and the rest of them are saying? Well, they're still detained, and they want open borders. And, Scott, let me tell you what's reprehensive. Let me tell you what's reprehensive. These people act like they really care about these 60 kids, or go ahead and say the 2,200 kids. They really act like they are. What's reprehensive? To many, many, many people are the 3,300 kids a day that are aborted. Now, Pelosi, Schumer, and all these guys, they don't say a thing about that. They think it's great that we're murdering these little babies. But, boy, I mean, if this isn't politicized, and I agree with the first two callers. I echo them 100%. And if anybody has... Uh, IQ at least above about six points above plant life. They can see through this crap. All right. I mean, it's terrible. That's all. I'm out. Thanks, Jim. It's Penny for your thoughts. It's 929 local news in just a moment. More open line after that. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can't love each other through. Remember that show, Family Ties, from the 1980s, was on NBC, was part of their their big Thursday night lineup, and two of the lead actor, actors, uh, Meredith Baxter Burney and Michael Gross, both have birthdays today here on the summer solstice, June 21st. It's Penny for your thoughts. I'm Scott Beatty, filling in for Brian Barnhart. It's an open line here for a few minutes longer. Stephen Bentz is going to be in here to talk about the upcoming Virginia theater season in a little bit. And next hour, Luke Boyce from Shattered Glass Films. At 10.30, it's Busey Money Talk. So a little bit of everything here this morning on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Okay, to the phones, and this is Brian. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. You know, the media propaganda keeps going and going and going. And the mainstream media almost always takes one side of the story, the liberal side. And whether the issue be uh, legal immigration, uh, whether it be the gun debate, the race issue, 
uh, Black Lives Matter, the war on cops, uh, the abortion issue, the women's issue, the LGBT issue. They really only push one side of the story when, in fact, there's always two sides because they have an agenda. And people really need to sit back and see the forest through the trees just to take a step back and look at it objectively rather than be caught up in the moment. And the the liberals really aren't interested in uh, protecting our borders. If it was up to them, uh, Mexico and Central America, they would be fine with having them as part of the United States. And when it comes to call, uh, these sanctuary cities, these people are all breaking the law. You talk about lawbreakers. I mean, they're, they're violating federal law. Why can't, why aren't they prosecuted? And I think we ought to have sanctuary cities for open carry, uh, tax amnesty, and uh, non-adherence to anything that's politically correct. You know, what would uh, what would happen then? Their their heads would explode. You know, seems like they're always pushing one agenda, one side, and they really don't. Uh, they're not fair and objective. Like like this investigation, the IG report, we've got the Justice Department, you know, weaponizing the Justice Department to go after their enemies and covering up for obvious crimes that Clinton and Obama did, you know, and media is not focusing on that at all. If, if the situation was reversed, that's all you'd hear about. Brian, i got to keep rolling. Thanks for your call. Penny, for your thoughts, three five six nine three nine seven. Here is Hank. Good morning, Hank. Yeah, hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, I agree with Brian. Uh, at the national level, I think at the local level, uh, journalism is still alive. But at the national level, I mean, if you go through the alphabet news outlets, I think it's, becomes, it's becoming increasingly clearer as the months pass by, that what we're dealing with are basically Democrat operatives pretending to be journalists. There's any number of studies that have placed a number of Democrats in the media uh, between 85 and 90 percent at the national level. And that's why I call them the national socialist media. <laughs> and there is a clear, clear bias. If a person can't see that, then they themselves are pretty biased, too. There's an a, a UCLA study by uh, a, a Glenn Grossclose uh, done about eight years ago, and it pretty much documented the bias, uh, and it was pretty interesting how it determined uh, the left bias of, of the media, and it was, you know, the sources that they used, the think tanks that they quoted, how much time they were giving to a subject, that was presenting one view as opposed to the other. And it's kind of interesting to see that. Uh, and and it's very clear from that study and other studies that there really is a left tilt uh, to the national socialist media. And the last issue I want to talk about was, did you hear what happened to the uh, director of the Department of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, when she was at a restaurant? Yep. 
She, there was a crowd that was yelling, shame on you, shame on you, and she yeah. eventually had to leave the restaurant. Right. That was pretty disgusting display. Of, look at this. That was put on by the National Socialist uh, Party of America, which, you know, that pretty much echoes what I think is the National Social, Socialist Party of uh, All Workers right. Party of Germany. I think I but, get uh, I, we get your point. I, I don't think there's really a National Socialist Party that's uh, operating here. I think that's a little extreme here because you're calling them Nazis. I think people are having uh, strong feelings around uh, a debate here. Well, we uh, are going to step aside here. I know there's other folks here that want to weigh in, but uh, we are going to give some space here for Stephen Benz as we shift here on a Thursday towards a little bit of the arts and entertainment side of the world as the weekend is coming up. So we'll do that with Stephen Benz from the Virginia Theater when we come back. On the longest day of the year, so to speak, it's a penny for your thoughts. I'm Scott Beatty in for Brian Barnhart. Thanks for being with us. Pleased to welcome here into the studio, it's Stephen Benz. He heads up the Virginia Theater just blocks from where we are here at News Gazette Media here in downtown Champaign. So, Stephen, I don't know, with the rain, did you drive or walk? I swam. <laughs> good, good morning to you, Scott. Good, good morning to you. Good answer. Uh, you guys are hopping. I don't know if it's just because I pay attention more, but it feels like since the renovation, which was uh, a, a handful of years ago now, uh, yeah. things have been as busy as ever over there. They sure have, yeah. The renovation really kind of concluded in 2013. That was the big phase three, you know, the auditorium backstage and so forth. And just since then, we've been trying to light the place up. Yeah, well, you are doing that. The variety is what amazes me because you have movies. Of course, we have the News Gazette film series. You have local productions. You have big-name acts. You have music. You have ballet i mean it's all kinds of stuff what goes in are you in charge of the programming and and uh how do you how do you start to put together a season well that's a great question yeah i'm creative director there so the things that the park district buys in you know the shows that we self-present those I'm, I'm working with folks at the park district and community members on kind of figuring out what the best composition of a season's going to be but you named it right there since the building is it's available for rent. You know, it's a place that if you wanted to put on a show, you could come in and say, I want to produce Alison Krauss. And then you just go offer her a whole lot of money to perform in Champagne and <laughs> come, come to us and rent the building. So a lot of the things that we do there at the Virginia are, are those kinds of rentals. And that gives us a nice variety. You know, it's a very approachable space. It's accessible for the public. Stephen Bentz is with us from the Virginia Theater. Um, what are some of the things that you are particularly excited about or maybe was there something like, I'm really proud that we got this to come to for this upcoming season. Sure, sure. That's that's great. We have a nice mix. Um, there are a lot of touring performers coming in this year, but I love that you can go in on um, you know a Wednesday night and see a Craig Ferguson. And then you can go in on a Saturday and see your neighbor's kids perform in the ballet. You know, that kind of thing. Not, that's The dates on that are wrong. But you know what I mean. Right, it's got yeah. that kind of a mixture of community programming side-by-side side with touring entertainment. That's the thing that I like the most about that space. But you're right. There are some big players coming in this year with Craig Ferguson on October 31st. Uh, the folk singer Roseanne Cash, kind of singer-songwriter performance. Fantastic artist. She's going to be with us on November 8th. So, so, so many. Roseanne Cash, the daughter of 
like Johnny Cash. I believe they're related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was June Carter was his his wife. So yeah, she'll be uh, a fascinating. Uh, you also have Michael McDonald. Yes, yeah. This I'm really looking forward to. That's on December 9th. And he's going to come and he's going to play the hits. So the songs that you remember from his days with Steely Dan, but of course with all those 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 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, also his, his solo career, but Doobie Brothers years to be sure. He'll be playing the hits, but it's a Christmas show. So he's doing a lot of holiday music too. And that's something that he's become quite well known for recently. Also, uh, for the folks who are, uh, you know, faith-oriented, Andrew Peterson will be here, and he has uh, quite a nice following. He does, yeah, and that's a local group that has been bringing him in. They're renting the theater out, and they're just presenting Andrew Peterson. This will be his third visit with us. He does a wonderful show, and that's a holiday performance, of course. That's December 12th. Stephen Bentz is with us from the Virginia Theater. Um, Ed Bond would probably throw me out of the studio here <laughs> if I don't make mention of his favorite event, which is an event I really appreciate as well, coming up on July 1st. We love this event. It's something we do. I always think of it as the kickoff to our season. So you know, every summer we're, we're announcing what's going to come to the Virginia Theater throughout the year. But every summer we also do this event called Ice Cream and Independence that's a right, right around July 4th. In this case, it's on Sunday, July the 1st at 3 p.m., and it's something that the News Gazette, WDWS, HMS have been a huge part of supporting these past years, and we love it. It's it's a fantastic family event for the fourth. Yeah, there's great patriotic music. There is the ice cream, or I think in this case it's frozen yogurt to be. Yeah, <laughs> the staff have taken uh, taken to calling it Froyo and Freedom. Uh, <laughs> that's not the official title, but okay. Uh, it's yeah, it's TCBY yogurt, frozen yogurt. Yeah. It's really good, and it's uh, it's you know it's included in the price of the ticket. So yeah. it's something that when you come to the theater, starting at one thirty that afternoon, we'll have kind of an ice cream social out in the street in front of the building. Frozen yogurt and Independence doesn't have quite the same it ring just as doesn't, ice cream. Yeah, and it doesn't trip off the tongue. <laughs> Um, uh, also, uh, that's what she said. Event is uh, become yes. very popular, and that comes up in the spring. It does, and this is one that you know it started over on campus. It was at the Cranach Center for a couple of years, and then they wanted to move it downtown. They came to us, and they did it a couple of times at the theater. It's been absent for the last year or so, but it's something that we're really excited is coming back, and that is local women telling their stories on the stage. It's a fun evening, very high energy. Really, a quality production, and that's uh, going to be in March on the second. How does the how is the film series? How is the attendance on that? How is the, the popularity of it? It is. Um, I'll put an asterisk next to this. Next to Ebert Fest, it's our most successful programming in films. It's always just a, a stalwart. It's something that the public really seems to respond to, especially in the historic space like the Virginia. It just makes sense. And you know, when you have a film like Bringing Up Baby or some of the Westerns we've shown, Shane, or you know, Citizen Kane, things of that nature. There's never going to be, I think, a time when an audience isn't going to response, uh, respond to seeing those, those films on the screen again. And there is nothing that replaces that experience, because most films now you can find digitally online uh, through a streaming service or, or, or what have you, and it's the fact that people want to still go experience that in a theater setting is, is pretty neat. It really is, yeah. And, you know, it's about seeing it with friends and family. You know, it's a, it's about that kind of communal experience. Got to have the popcorn as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, and we have our house organist, Dave Schrader, will come in, and he'll perform it in front of many of those screenings with the News Gazette film series. And this year we're trying something new um, where Mr. Laskowski is going to be uh, – 
<laughs> joining us for a post-screening talkback. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's, he's going to be in our lobby after each of the, most of the 7 o'clock films, and he'll be doing a post-screening talkback, uh, just a little, you know, exploration of what you've just seen on the screen. How far out are you looking now to 2019, 2020 se- season and beyond? Is that something you have to work on right now? You know what? We really start kind of in the fall, I would say. I tend to meet with folks all through the year and ask questions about the kinds of things they'd like to see on that stage at the Virginia. But usually our prime booking period is from the fall into the winter. And then you get into announce and all the arrangements made in the spring. Have you had folks come to you from the community ever and suggest something and you said, hey, that that's something I'm going to take a look at? All the time. Yeah, yeah. We're, the ears are always open. We're always, you know, we've got uh, kind of a database that we keep, and we're always taking suggestions from the public. Absolutely. What's the best way to feed you suggestions? That's that's a great question. You can come up to me at the theater. You can hmm. call me. You can email me. I'm Stephen.Bence at the Champagne, or Stephen.Bence at ChampagneParks.com, uh, or you can just call the theater. And uh, last question here for you, is it best to try and are there ways to kind of package up going to events or, you know, is everything sort of an a la carte here when you want to attend one event or another? That is a great question. You know, we offer a whole lot of events, basically the whole season at one time every summer. Um, But we also know that things are going to be dropped in as the year goes on. So what we try to do is give people a nice snapshot of what the theater is going to look like at the beginning of the year in the summertime. And, you know, our tickets for individual shows are going to go on sale in July on the 20th. But we want to give folks a chance who want to see a whole bunch of things. We want to give them an opportunity to subscribe to to that series so that they can get a a chance at a discount on that seat, maybe have the same seat for every show. You know, people really seem to respond to that. So on the 29th of June, we'll be going on sale with our subscription series. So you just buy four shows from that series, and that's where you get to the discount and the same seat each, uh, each time. Stephen Benz from the Virginia Theater here in downtown Champaign, looking at the upcoming season. A lot of good stuff. Plenty online at thevirginia.org, thevirginia.org. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. We're back in a moment. It's Penny for your thoughts. You really got me going. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you really got me now. You got me so I can't sleep at night. A penny for your thoughts on this on DWS, and I'm Scott Beatty, and it's the birthday, June 21st, of Ray Davies, who was a, a main songwriter with the Kinks there. When you're hearing uh, You Really Got Me, he is 74 years old. Thanks there to Stephen Bentz for joining us. In Around the Corner uh, from, the, from CBS News and uh, local news, we will hear from Luke Boyce from Shattered Glass Films. Luke will uh, share what's going on with Shatterglass Films and also his take on some of the summer film activities. Uh, remember Jerry Springer and all that uh, that kind of television is? Well, he's uh, hanging it up. He has stopped production of his 4,000 episodes, 27 season show, uh, once called the worst TV show all time by TV Guide. Jerry Springer is hanging it up. We've got CBS and local news next. And then Luke Boyce, it's News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, a News Gazette media station, 69 degrees, rainy today, high of 78.
It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Filling in for Brian this morning is Scott Beatty. Good morning again. Welcome back to A Penny for Your Thoughts. We had an open line in the first hour talking about some of the hot news items of the day. Also talked with Stephen Benz from Virginia Theater. This hour, Luke Boyce is here from Shatterglass Films. We'll have a nice discussion here. And then at the bottom of the hour, it's Busey Money Talk. I'm filling in this week for Brian, who's on vacation. And Luke, welcome to the program. One of my it's favorite not, guests. Uh, thank it's you. One of my favorite An people honor. around town. Saw you were out eating uh, eating the other day at a restaurant. It was just nice to say hi and yes. see you and your family. So what's uh, what have you been working on here this summer so far? Um, you know, we've just been busy trying to get the film off the ground. We've got... Uh, We've got this web series, uh, Seeds, that premiered a couple months ago. And uh, just uh, starting tomorrow, it's going to be at uh, Series Fest in Colorado. And that's kind of the, uh, it's considered the Sundance of TV festivals. TV festivals are this new thing where people really? go and, yeah, the uh, pilots get shown a lot of web series, you know, and try to get picked up for, for series, you know, because TV is the new content frontier. So. Got to get those out there. Got to get those ideas. Um, but we're an official selection, which is a huge honor. It's a it's a huge festival, uh, so we're really excited about that. Uh, congratulations! And you. Th- when you say TV, that's more than just your, you know, your traditional networks or cable networks, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. TV being Netflix or Amazon or anything. And actually, there's there's a lot more now. I mean, YouTube's doing stuff. A lot of pe- a lot of different um, uh, different web platforms are are coming up with streaming services so the hope for seeds coming Mm -hmm. out of this besides accolades thrown your way Mm -hmm. would be what well we'd love to get picked up (laughs) certainly um and and this won't be our only choice we're also we got uh selected for the new york television festival as well and that'll be somewhat soon so we got a couple options here but yeah yeah to get picked up to get uh you know, uh, uh, an actual season order of television, basically. Before, what would happen? Would a pilot get produced and then you hope it gets picked up? Or would a a company or a network produce a pilot and test it? You know, in the in the not too long ago uh, past, the uh, the networks really were the ones that that handled everything. I mean, it you would write it, you would have an idea for a TV show, maybe, and the network would you know, ha- order a pilot, like you said, and, and if it was received well, it would, you know, move on to a, to a show. Um, these days, it's very much TVs like the independent world where, where I can go out and I can make a pilot myself. Um, and, and the way we did Seeds is Seeds is uh, five five-minute episodes. So if you put them all together, it's kind of like a pilot, sort of like a half-hour pilot. Um, so that was sort of the idea. But... Um, yeah, now now we have the ability to do that and then sell it to a lot of these other companies, uh, you know, like a Netflix or anything like that, or even you know, a network might want to pick it up and probably not. Uh, they usually require a bigger package, basically, with stars or something like that. So, if you are putting together five minute episodes, mm-hmm. what are you trying to d- accomplish? Because that's that's a unique limitation on telling a story, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So are you trying to make it a very dense story? Are you trying to just make it a visual trip for five minutes? How do you approach something that has that time limit? Um, you know, that all goes. So so Seeds itself, which was written by um, this phenomenal writer, Deja Harrell, um, she basically took each she, she basically made a show about four uh, friends, four black friends living in Chicago, four black girls. Um, and each episode sort of sort of dealt with just their camaraderie, essentially. Um, it's very loose. It's 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 a comedy. So it's it's mostly them sort of having these discussions. There's a little bit of a narrative. There's a situation that happens. It's somewhat of a sitcom in that sense. But, um, you know, you you sort of break down the moments into, you know, these five minute uh, arcs, essentially. Um, and it seems like it's not much, but you can actually get a lot done. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a big fan of of structure uh, called the sequence approach in film especially and what the sequence approach does is it breaks up a larger three-act structure that we all know of into eight different acts eight smaller acts and each one of those acts has its own arc and that goes back all the way to the beginning of, of cinema when the reels were really quick they only had eight to ten minute reels and then have to switch them back in the early 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 days so it's the same kind of idea you can it's easier to break a story up into smaller parts and then get through that way. Almost like chapters. Yeah, exactly. Like chapters. Luke Boyce is with us from Shattered Glass Films. Um, you mentioned storytelling. That's something you're really actually passionate about. And uh, for those who don't know, Luke was one of the commencement speakers at Parkland College uh, uh, last month. And that was something that you touched on there. Why is that so important to you? Or or I sh let me stop that, say that again. <laughs> what is important to you in storytelling? or telling somebody else about how to tell a story. Yeah, well, you know, we kind of, even when we started Shatterglass, um, the big thing for us was not just creating a commercial company that would just, you know, film your business or whatever. We wanted to tell stories. Um, we wanted to be filmmakers. And a filmmaker, to me, at the, at the core is a storyteller. So, you know, I spent a lot of my type, a lot of my life trying to figure out what that meant exactly and how to be a better storyteller. And the thing is, is, they've done a lot of studies that show that being a good storyteller is actually an evolutionary advantage. Um, they did this, I mentioned this in my speech, but they did studies that showed that um, great storytellers tend to um, have more opportunities in society, tend to have healthier children, weirdly enough. It's just these, it's all these snowball effects of how storytelling affects you from a social advantage standpoint. Um, because we are attracted to story. We tell story. You and I are telling stories right now. We're always sort of uh, getting across some sort of emotion or some sort of idea through a series of events. And so in my speech especially, I wanted to talk about how to be a better storyteller, which in my mind also can help you sort of have a better life in a way. All of the I gave five rules for being a better storyteller, and those rules all sort of had these applications then that you could sort of apply to your life as well. So makes you, you know, more popular, more, you know, in general, uh, just uh, having more of social advantage, but also, you know, also kind of just helps structure your life better or things like that. Luke Boyce here from Shattered Glass Films. 
you have any questions or comments on the world of film for Luke, you can certainly chime in. 356-9397 over the phone. Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. The summer so far, what's stood out to you? What have you enjoyed either in the TV or film world? Um, yeah, or at this point in the year. Yeah, it's already been kind of an, an incredible year, to be honest. Um, the... I don't get out as much because of the uh, I've got a almost two year old at home, so that's really yeah. We, <laughs> I know a lot of people know the the cramping style that happens to your <laughs> movie going, but uh, my wife and I did just see First Reformed at the Art, um, and that's probably my favorite film of the year so far. That was an incredibly powerful film, and I really encourage everyone to check that out. It's it's there for another week, um, and it's uh, starring Ethan Hawke. Uh, it's uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, who I love. Um, he's really just not been a filmmaker that we've talked about for a while, but he uh, wrote Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also made some incredible films. Some of my favorites, um, we just showed Blue Collar, which is a film he made with Harvey Keitel uh, and Richard Pryor at The Art, which is a brilliant film. Um, so, yeah, he's he's just a really, really, really great uh great artist and this is kind of his big comeback um but it's a it's a lot about faith it's about a pastor in upstate new york who has this crisis of faith uh with and i don't want to give anything away but it's just um it's just a, a, a it's an experience it almost feels like a dream i've had not necessarily a movie that i saw forgiveness uh, is a big theme or question in the movie right yeah and just sort of um yeah, just sort of like social justice and and you know what that means and and things like that. So and it's it's it has a very strong sense of despair, but just like very tangible, which you don't see a lot in movies. Um, and I I just thought that it was very powerful when the movie ended at our screening. The whole theater just sat in stunned silence. There was nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. It was kind of amazing. You could feel the power of the film had affected everybody in the audience. And I can name the amount of times that's happened on my, you know, on one hand. You know, it's curious as I was just talking with Stephen Bence uh, before you came on about popularity of film series in the Virginia mm-hmm. and the fact that you can go see a lot of movies digitally now. You can do it yeah. on your uh, on your home computer, or iPad or mm-hmm. TV, what have you. But there's still something about experiencing it together. I suppose it's the same as a piece of music, although that is usually being performed live. Yeah. So I get that. But just the fact that you experience a film together, there's still a draw to that. And there's something powerful in that. Oh yeah. I, I, there's, there's a book that I love called the power of movies and it is a, uh, it's a psychological exploration of the power of movies. And it actually starts out talking about the power of seeing movies in a theater and how seeing a movie, even from a, from a very basic perspective on a big screen, psychologically does more for you than seeing it on a small screen. Not that I watch movies constantly at home and now I have to even more, but you do get more psychologically when that image is bigger than you. And I think that's a, that, that in and of itself is power. And then when you see it with other people, um, I always, my, my favorite thing of the year is going to see movies that I've seen before at Ebert Fest because just, the the audience reaction is contagious mm-hmm. the laughing is super contagious or the you know how what you're reacting to you know if it's a drama or anything like that is very contagious and so you feel like you also get more that way 
Um, but we are social creatures. And I very much believe in the power of theater going, even though these days, and this is a discussion for later, it can be a bit, you know, dicey in terms of etiquette. And I understand that that, you know, I, I've had my own share of very frustrating situations more often than not. But I still try to make it happen because it does it does. I see movies differently when I see them in a theater. Uh, Luke, we do have a call for you if you want to put on those headphones yeah. there. And we will welcome in Dave here on a penny for your thoughts. Good morning, Dave. You're on with Luke Boyce. Good morning. Hey, hey. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Luke. Hey, question, Luke. Um, you know, it used to kind of be the thing if you if you wanted to act or, or make film, um, you know, you you got to move to the mecca. You got to move to L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, possibly New York. It seems Chicago, obviously, in the last decade and a half, has really upped its game in the film and television production. Oh, yeah. um, what now? What do you think as far as you do? I mean, you guys have had some success. Um, locally and stuff, getting national recognition, obviously getting in this uh, festival. What do you think today? Do you think that it is still necessary to get out to L.A. if you want to be have a career in film, uh, television, or are you able to, I mean, obviously acting, the opportunities are going to be way more abundant out there, but so are the, uh, the competitors. But, you know, what, as far as making film, is it necessary to be out there, or are you do you guys feel comfortable being here, able to to do it and, and be a you know really successful production company um, here in Champaign? Yeah, good, definitely. Good question, Dave. Thanks for it. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, no, we we've been very lucky that in uh, that we've had success in a time when I think we could have success. I don't think that this we could have done this uh, 15, 20 years ago. Um, the 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 digital tools that have come about have made the democratization of um, filmmaking happen. We, like you said, acting I think is one of those things where you probably should be in those areas because that's where the majority of the of the hiring is happening. But in our case, in terms of making film, you know, we've made most of our stuff in Chicago, and that, like you said, that's really, really come up in just in the past few years in terms of of production. Um, but even here, even the stuff we've done here, you know, has gone on to national recognition. And, it, you know, it's it, the Internet is a big reason for that um, because that content can can get out there quicker. Um, it's just a matter of moving the gatekeepers. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is we, we still have to go to L.A. a lot for meetings. But, but L.A. has become a meetings town more than anything, more than a production town. Um, tax incentives in different states has made that uh, a possibility as well. Now, it's easier for a lot of productions to go to, say, uh, Georgia, for instance, where they shoot all the Marvel movies because their tax incentives are so big, um, or New York, or, or even Illinois has a really great tax incentive. Um, and so th- we get a lot of films that come through here. So, so yeah, they've, it, the, it, the production aspect has moved out of those areas. Um, probably the majority still happen, but, but in terms of being able to do your own thing, you're very much able to do it wherever you are. And, and, and we feel we love Champagne and we intend to stay here as long as we can. Um, so so and keep doing what we're doing and growing. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. I believe you very much can can have a great career. 
I'm anyway. still waiting for you to cast me in one of your films, but that's that's a different <laughs> story. I may have to move to L.A. so I can get hired for you. There you go. We'll audition you there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Luke, always great to have you with Thanks, us. Scott. Appreciate you spending some time. It's Luke Boyce from Shattered Glass Films. You can find them online, Shattered Glass Films, and just Google it. And you can also walk right down the street here from uh, News Gazette Media and find them as well on, on Neal Street. We have Busey Money Talk around the corner. So thanks to our guests for today, for Luke, for Stephen Benz. Of course, uh, open line as well. I'm back tomorrow with more of that. A little bit of open line. We'll also hear from Carl Gannett. He will visit from Champaign-Urbana Mass Transit District. And Carol Vorell will stop in. She's got a new installment in her podcast series. And then Darren Holt, manager of information technology here at News Gazette Media. He'll take your tech questions. So we'll talk a little bit with Darren. Busey Money Talk next. Thank you, Ed Bond, behind the scenes. 69 degrees coming up on 1027. Rainy today and a high of 78. Have a good day, everybody. You owe over $10,000 in back taxes. You've called every tax firm out there. They all say the same thing, making promises they never keep, and you're sick of it. What you really need is a new start on your back taxes. If you're faced with garnishments, levies, audits, or years of unfiled tax returns, we'll fight to get you the new start you deserve. Call 1-800-733-0145. Our New Start program will stop collection efforts, remove any liens the IRS has in place, and help you reduce your back taxes by as much as 80%. That's right, 80%. Don't wait until another tax season ends and another year of penalties and interest are added to your balance. If you owe at least $10,000 to the IRS and need a new start on your back taxes, call 1-800-733-0145. That's 1-800-733-0145. Let the professionals at Coast One Financial Group fight to get you the new start you deserve. Again, that's 1-800-733-0145. The early morning chirping of birds, the cheers of baseball fans at a winning game, the energizing music of the big bands in swing. Beltone invites you to listen to some of the sounds you've been missing. For over 60 years, Beltone has been helping people hear better, and they've been dedicated to providing the best hearing care options available. Their network of professional hearing care practitioners and audiologists and their innovative solutions have already enabled millions of people to hear better. Together, Beltone's extensive line of hearing instruments, their advanced fitting software, and their staff of hearing care experts have made Beltone the most trusted name in hearing aids. They listen to your concerns and have a wide range of options to best suit your individual hearing needs. And their commitment to helping you hear better continues through a lifetime of aftercare and services. Listen again and you'll hear what you've been missing. Beltone. Visit your local Beltone in Champaign at 816 North Country Fair Drive or call 359-3331. Hi, everybody. This is Brian Barnhart. I've told you about the Beef House now for several years, and I hope you've been to the Beef House at least once, if not several times, over in Covington, Indiana. What a great menu they have over there. Of course, you may prefer a steak. They have everything from 8 to 20-ounce ribeyes, petite to extra-large filet mignon, New York strip. That's my favorite. Or chopped sirloin with grilled onions. Maybe you prefer pork. You can have one or two pork chops. How about a barbecued boneless chicken breast or a three-piece pan-fried chicken dinner? Seafood may be more your style. The Beef House menu featuring everything from grilled halibut to shrimp to sea scallops and king crab legs. Or go with a pasta dish of some sort like chicken parmesan. Lots of great sides to choose from as well. And don't forget the famous Beef House Rolls served hot and fresh at your table with butter, apple butter, or strawberry jam at your fingertips. If you have young ones with you, make sure to bring them. Children's menu is there as well with hamburger or chicken tenders, whatever you might like. 
Whatever you like, check it out. You'll find it. Exit 4 on Interstate 74, the Beef House in Covington, Indiana. The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at BC Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Busey Money Talk. I'm your host, Kevin Melchiori. And uh, joining me today are my uh, colleagues and co-hosts, uh, starting with Aaron Sutton, who's Chartered Financial Analyst and Portfolio Manager, and Cesar Patino, who's a Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. Yeah, Staying dry you. today? Yeah, trying to. <laughs> it seems like we went from a 95 degree heat with 90% uh, humidity to a bunch of rain, so... I, I think our what, grass it, needed it. If this is what it takes to cool it down, then I'm all for it. So exactly. yeah. I, I can handle the rain. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's actually hotter here than it's been in Florida recently. So that's kind of odd. That is but, odd. Uh, but we'll take it. I mean, it could be cold and snowy. But, uh, you know, here we are in June, and it's uh, halfway through 2018, guys. That's pretty crazy. It's, it's going by, quick. Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, things are looking pretty good, actually. So Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of, uh, you know, it being uh, halfway through the year, we are going to do uh, talk about a mid-year financial checkup. And uh, Caesar, you're going to be talking to us about uh, just some things people can do to uh, do a checkup on their financial situation. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to start with you, Aaron, of course, like we always do, and talk about the financial markets. Uh, obviously, always a lot going on. <laughs> it's always exciting. That's and why this like, year, that's why I like this business. Absolutely. And this this year. Um, uh, really has been uh, kind of all over the board. And uh, so why don't you tell us what's going on in the market uh, right now? Yep. Yeah, obviously, uh, the big focus right now, and this is really driving a lot of headlines, has been talk of the uh, tariffs and potential trade war talk. Um, and things really kind of start to be seen ramping up a little bit, I would say. Uh, you had the initial announcement uh, by the administration, I think of, and again, it's gotten kind of hard to keep track of. It's changing on a daily basis. But yeah. Uh, they announced the initial tariffs on about $50 billion worth of goods. Uh, I believe most of that was focused on aluminum and steel tariffs. And so now what we're starting to see is some responses back uh, from some of the countries that have been targeted. So, uh, you know, Mexico and Canada ha have announced they might respond. Uh, China's threatened to uh, initiate some of their own tariffs. Uh, and even just this morning there was news out that uh, India may get involved and uh, respond with some tariffs of their own. So, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, things do seem to be heating up a little bit. Um, and then in response, uh, Trump has announced uh, for his administration to look at an additional uh, $200 billion worth of goods uh, to potentially impose tariffs. And then he also said uh, if there's a response to that, he's going to request another $200 billion on top of that. So Wow. Uh, if this thing really ramps up, you're looking at about $450 billion worth of goods mm -hmm. uh, that the U.S. may be targeting for tariffs. Wow. Um, so it has gotten quite meaningful, at least some of the rhetoric. Uh, yeah. Like I said, what's actually been implemented is fairly small at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but the rhetoric is heating up. Uh, also, too, related to that, just this morning, uh, you had Daimler, uh, the auto manufacturer that's based over in Germany, uh, best known for making Mercedes. Uh, they actually issued a profit warning 
And one of the main reasons they cited was uh, talk of the tariffs and the trade war. Interesting. Okay. Now, that being said, they have gotten some pushback from some of the analysts um, that this could just be an excuse that they're using uh, to hide some under underlying issues at the company. So, uh, okay. Uh, you, I think, but I think it's kind of indicative of what you might see going forward is that right. uh, if companies are struggling a little bit, this may be a good excuse to throw out there of why they're struggling, and it's mm-hmm. uh, because of these tariffs. So yeah, uh, just some things to watch. Uh, but other than that, as far as uh, how things are doing here in the U.S. economy, uh, things are really doing still quite well. Uh, job market's still very strong. Uh, we had another jobless claim reading this morning. Uh, that's still near a 45-year low uh, as far as people receiving jobless uh, ben- benefits. Wow. Uh, and then job openings are at a record high as well. So uh, the labor market's still quite strong. And I think uh, unemployment's, what, at 3.8% yeah, right now? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. below that's 4%. Remarkable. Yeah, very strong. Um, and so you kind of hear this a lot that people throw out that really anybody that wants a job can probably get one right now. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. it may not be the job of their choice, but there are yep. there are jobs available out there. Absolutely. Um, and that's an important point, too, because I think maybe this is why you're seeing um, the administration really ramp up this trade talk now, is our economy is so strong that I think uh, from a strategic standpoint, this is probably a good time to maybe uh, proceed with um, some of these negotiations and try to take uh, this aggressive approach is to do it when our economy's strong right. versus doing it when it's weaker. I think uh, the economy can better absorb uh, some of these potential tariffs that may be put in place. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yep. <clears throat> so I mentioned uh, things have been very good, uh, at least here in the U.S., and we've started to see a little bit of a divergence uh, between what U.S. stocks have done and what the international market's done. Uh, so I'll run through the international stocks, or I'm sorry, the U.S. stocks first. Uh, if we look at the S&P 500, uh, which is U.S. large cap stocks, uh, since our last radio show, basically over the last month, uh, you've seen a gain a little over 2%. Uh, now brings us to a year-to-date return of about 4.5%. Uh, so again, through the first half of a year, um, that's actually about right in line with what you expect from the historical averages. Yeah. Um, you know, historically, the market's returned about 9 to 10% a year. Yeah, so we're, we're right there. We're basically halfway there, mm-hmm. uh, halfway through the year. So like I said, things are looking good. Um, things look even better from the mid and small caps. Uh, so mid cap stocks are up about 3% over the last month, up about 6% for the year. Uh, and then small caps have really been the standout. Uh, we've seen a big rally there. Uh, those have rallied back about 5% over the last month and are now up almost 12% uh, year to date. Wow. wow. Yep. Uh, so I mentioned the divergence between U.S. and international stocks. Uh, within the U.S. market, uh, we've seen a divergence as well between what we call uh, growth and value stocks. Um, so growth stocks, you can think of those as companies that are growing their earnings faster uh, than the overall market. Uh, those have really led the way, um, and that would be notably the technology sector. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up about 15% year-to-date uh, when we look at that. And then more of the value or uh, slower-growing companies, such as telecom stock and Staples, uh, have really been the laggards. Uh, they're down about 10% uh, so far year-to-date. Right. And that's been the kind of the consistent <laughs> trend over the last year or a couple of years, right? Several years now, yeah. Um, you could really probably trace this back to um, kind of, yeah, probably four or five years ago where we really started to see this take off. Sure. And that is quite typical. Um, when you get in later stages of an economic cycle, uh, you do see a little bit of a rotation, and growth stocks do tend to lead the way 
uh, towards the end of economic cycles. Uh, now, I mentioned the international markets have sold off a little bit, uh, so to run through those, uh, if you look at the MSCI EFA, uh, which basically measures Europe and Japan, uh, it's down about 3.5% over the last month um, and down about a little over 2% year-to-date. Okay. Um, one of the reasons for the recent underperformance is uh, we've seen a pretty big rally in the U.S. dollar uh, yep. versus a lot of other currencies mm-hmm. across the globe. So. Uh, when you're investing overseas, as we talked about before, uh, there's always two components to that, um, what the underlying investment does, and then also the currency effects as well. So uh, with some of this trade war talk, uh, we've seen um, a little bit of a rally in the dollar, and so that's helped push down those international returns. Uh, and then emerging markets, it's uh, been an even larger effect. Uh, those are down about 4% over the last month, uh, down about 5.5% year to date. Uh, and then finally, looking at the bond market, um, you know, we continue to see a lot of action there, especially uh, with the policies of the Fed. Uh, we did get another rate hike. Um, so now this is the sixth time that the Fed has raised interest rates, uh, going all the way back to when this started back at the end of 2015. Sure. Uh, so now they brought the federal funds rate up to about 2% uh, is what they're targeting with that. Uh, now, that has been some good news, I would say, uh, for conservative savers out there. Yeah, uh, you're right. F- yeah, you're finally starting to see some movement mm-hmm. uh, in savings rates and then also in money market rates as well. And so um, kind of looking across the board, money market rates are anywhere between 15 to 2% now. So you can yeah. actually get a little bit of yield. It's big money compared to, you know, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been, <laughs> you know, basically zero yeah. uh, for a long time now. So yeah. zero one percent or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a real nominal return there. And now you can actually get a little something. Um, but, you know, with inflation running at about 2%, um, you're basically just going to keep pace with inflation right. uh, with yeah. a 2% type yield. But, uh, like we said, it is much better than what they have been getting. Um, now, that being said, that's what's been happening on the shorter term. Uh, longer term interest rates, we've seen those come down just a little bit yeah. uh, over the last month. And that's really driven more by market forces. Uh, the Fed has less control over those longer term interest rates. Right. Um, and so now we see the 10 year Treasury bond, uh, it's back below 3%, uh, right at about 2.9%. Um, and so we actually gotten a little bit of a positive return from bonds over the last month. Uh, but year-to-date, they're still down uh, about 2% or so uh, yeah. if you're looking at the Barclays Aggregate Index. And then I was looking, I think, that the 30-year Treasury, I mean, that's probably, what, a little over 3%? Yeah, right? uh, if I ha- I didn't bring it with me, but probably off the top of my head, it's probably around 35 like you said. Yeah. Um, and so to your point, it's an extremely flat uh, yield curve, and I believe yeah. we talked about this yeah. uh, if you go back uh, several months. Uh, but basically that means that the difference between a 10-year bond and a 30-year bond, it, yeah, is very minimal. Very minimal, yeah. Um, and so you're not getting really much reward uh, for going out farther and taking more interest rate risk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I wanted to talk about today, um, and this kind of dovetails into what we're going to talk about uh, in the second half, um, you know, reviewing and checking your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, one to bring up uh, an asset class that I think maybe hasn't gotten much attention lately. Um, and that's been the alternative investment class. Yep. Um, you know, if you look across what's been doing really well over the last several years, uh, stocks have really dominated returns, mm-hmm. uh, particularly U.S. stocks. And so I think, um, you know, some of our listeners, and we kind of hear this from clients uh, recently, is 
well, why would I want to own anything else besides the S&P 500? Of course. You know, right. it's, <laughs> it's outperformed everything here recently. It's been doing terrific. Uh, but you got to take a little bit of a longer-term perspective. Um, and that is not always the case uh, throughout history. Um, and typically what you see is these things go through cycles. Uh, we just happen to be in a period now where uh, U.S. stocks have done very well. Um, but the reason I bring up alternatives is we could very well get into a scenario here, and I'm not saying this will happen, but it's a possibility. But uh, you c I can envision a scenario where both uh, U.S. stocks and U.S. bonds actually have negative returns at the same time. Sure. Yeah. Now, recently they've been negatively correlated, meaning that typically if stocks are going down, bonds are going up, mm -hmm. uh, or vice versa, if stocks are going up, bonds are going down. But uh, that has not always been the case historically. Um, and in fact, if you look over a longer time period, say over the last um, you know, 40 to 50 years, bonds and stocks are actually slightly positively correlated. And so right. uh, there can be an environment where both of those do poorly. And that's really where an investment like alternatives can come into play. Um, that is an asset class um, that's not dependent, uh, again, depending on the strategy, um, it's not dependent on what the markets are doing to produce a positive return. Right. And so in some cases, some of these strategies uh, will actually take a short or negative position in some of these markets, meaning that they can actually sometimes produce a positive return even when the, both of those uh, stocks and bonds have negative returns. Right. Um, so they can be in a very important part of a portfolio. Uh, you know, we use them for our clients at Busey, um, but you gotta be very careful uh, because it's a very, uh, I would say, uh, segmented asset class. It's um, very unique. And so there's a lot of different strategies and not all of them uh, have the same benefits to the portfolio. So you got to be very careful in your investment selection right? Uh, and ensure that it is really going to diversify the other things in your portfolio. That's really the key and what you want out of those uh, right. type investments. It's not an asset class that you want to just shift 30 to 40 percent of your portfolio mm -hmm. over into you exactly. Know, on a whim, because you might think the market's going to go down and this is going to provide protection. It has a place in the portfolio, but maybe to a smaller percentage, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And one way you can kind of think about it is it's uh, almost like insurance in a way. Right. Um, yep. And so what's important about that is it can actually, you know, somewhat cost you in the form of negative returns uh, when other things are doing well, uh, like we've experienced here recently. Um, so the alternative class. Uh, while it's had, you know, some positive returns, say, over the last five years, mm -hmm. it's nowhere near kept up with the market. But yeah. that's to be expected. That's, Absolutely. that's the way that asset class performs. Uh, but it really can shine, um, again, if you have the right strategy, um, when you have a sustained downturn uh, in both stocks and bonds. So that's exactly. really where the benefit can come in. Um, and we've seen that within our portfolios when we've had some of these sell-offs. Uh, see, I think notably one was back in early 2015. Yeah. Uh, we saw some of our al alternative strategies hold up quite well in that environment. And then 2008, they did, exactly. well, they, they did well too. And everybody exactly. remembers 2008, yeah. <laughs> even though it was 10 years ago. Yep. And so, so you got to look at these things on a forward basis um, and think about the role that they play, like I said, going forward and not look and just judge them on the past performance here over the last five years or so. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, thank you, Aaron, uh, as always. Really appreciate it. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and then hand it over to Caesar to talk about uh, doing a mid-year financial checkup. You are listening to Busey Money Talk.
As your business needs grow and change, Busey can help manage the unique demands you face. From the day-to-day -day operations to financing solutions, our team is committed to providing today's producers and agribusinesses the resources needed to grow forward. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of our many convenient locations for solutions to your banking and wealth management needs. Busey, your dream, our promise. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Busey Money Talk. Again, I'm your host, Kevin Melchiori, and joining me are Aaron Sutton, Chartered Financial Analyst and Portfolio Manager, and Cesar Patino, Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor. So, Cesar, we're going to move it over to you, um, and we're going to talk about doing a mid-year financial checkup. I do want to rewind back to the start of the year in January, because that's the time when we all start uh, New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah. And so that's a lot of times where people start to talk about their financial goals for the year. I mean, of course, you know, getting back to the gym and all the health-related stuff. But also, you know, I want to save for this vacation or I want to put uh, more in my retirement account. So that's where we, where we see a lot of people doing those resolutions. But, of course, we all get busy throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Multiple months pass. And then all of a sudden we go back and we're like, did I really do those things? And, and so that's where the mid-year financial checkup really can serve as a good uh, gauge of where you're at um, as you head into the second half of the year. So, so I'll move it over to you, though, because I know there's a lot of good tips that you're going to share to our listeners today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, like you, you know, basically said, Kevin, I think uh, you know, people love to set their New Year's resolutions, and a lot of them like to set financial resolutions. So you know, now's a perfect time with kids being on vacation, people are taking breaks from work. Um, it's also a good opportunity to take a little bit of time to just make sure we're reviewing those goals that you know that they set that you've set for yourself uh, to make sure that you are on track to meet them, um, and also even if you didn't set goals at the beginning of the year, you know now is a great time to actually maybe review your financial picture, see how things are going, yeah. and maybe set goals for the remainder uh, the remainder of the year um, to try and achieve. So absolutely, and, and like you mentioned, I think that um, when it comes to financial goals, uh, like anything, uh, you want to make sure that you're setting realistic goals. Um, part of the problem with New Year's resolutioners is that sometimes they set their sights way too high, <laughs> um, and then end up, you know, getting we never do that. <laughs> exactly. It was the gym in January is always packed, and then oh, the yeah. February is just gone. <laughs> no one's there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so yeah. So when it comes to financial goals, it's the exact same thing. I mean, um, you obviously want to have long-term goals. Uh, you know, people like to have the goals of I want to pay off my mortgage, or I want to pay off my student loans, or I want to have enough money to retire at a certain age. And those are great goals to have, but if they're the only things that you are setting your sights on, what could potentially happen is you could get, you know, maybe you feel like you're not making enough progress. Right. Uh, you feel like you're not getting there, uh, you know, quickly enough. So you might get a little uh, unmotivated. So that's why it's always good to have a, a, some of the small goals, some short-term goals as well. You know, maybe uh, it's a, a goal of paying off a smaller credit card debt, uh, saving up for, um, you know, a certain amount of money in a savings account, things like that. Yeah. So, so again, yeah, there's definitely uh, benefits to having a balance of both short-term and long-term goals. Absolutely. Um, so when it comes to just in general, you know, achieving those goals, I think the main there's two really big things you can do, and, and that is really just getting a, a clear picture of what your financial, uh, you know, standpoint is. Um, and there's two things I think, like I said, there's that, that you need to do in order to really get a clear picture of that. One is to figure out kind of what your net worth is. So you know, when we compare our assets versus our liabilities, that's going to give us a clear picture of kind of where we stand. So, of course, you know, assets are anything that you own, whether it's your car or um, value of your home, any cash that you have in savings accounts, checking accounts, maybe retirement plans that you have at work. 
you know, the combination of those would obviously be your assets. And then liabilities, of course, would be anything that you owe. So whether it's your mortgage uh, balance or credit card debt, auto loans, things like that. Um, and just comparing those two numbers and seeing kind of where you stand, um, again, will give you a clear understanding of, of where you are. And it can be kind of sombering of uh, you know, thing, especially if you're like a, especially if you're like a young kid just out of college, maybe you have a ton of student loan debt and maybe not a lot of assets to your name. So, um, but again, it's, it's important to understand kind of where you stand and, and that way you can set those goals to maybe get that net worth higher or maybe, you know, lower your liabilities. So that's one thing, uh, that should, de- that we, people should definitely do. The other thing is, and I know I'm going to use the word Kevin doesn't like, but budget yeah. people like <laughs> It's, it's the bad word people don't like to say, <laughs> budget. So we call it cash flow. We'll call it cash flow. So the other thing is people need to have a good understanding of their cash flow situation. And that's really just looking at the amount of money that you have coming in um, every month versus the amount of money that you have going out. So uh, really, you know, I think a lot of times uh, when people get stuck in this paycheck to paycheck cycle, yeah. um, you know, it's really, you know, they, they sometimes they just don't have an understanding of, of where their money is going. Um, and uh, creating a cash flow, creating a budget is, is a great way to really understand, okay, where is my money going? Um, uh, because I think once you put it on paper or, you know, once you, uh, you figure out, okay, maybe I am spending too much money on, on going out to eat or, or, you know, on entertainment and things like that, yeah. then you can really start to maybe trim some of the fat in the budget yeah. um, to free up some dollars to, to put towards some of those financial goals. So. It's, you know, again, budget's a great tool to, 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 to have or, or to use. Um, and for different people, you know, there's different ways to create a budget. Some people are fine using spreadsheets and, and all that. Um, right. For our Busey clients, actually, uh, there's actually a software on our online banking portal called Money Management, where actually yep. as you spend money out of your checking accounts, it'll actually categorize everything for you. So it'll recognize when you pay for gas and when you pay for groceries, and it'll actually lump it all together. So... Uh, you don't have to be, you know, very tech savvy to use that. It's yeah. very, it's very categorized and very neat. So, uh, it's a great um, tool to tool to use for our clients. Yeah, and you can see, like, oh wow, I'm spending way too much <laughs> on uh, going out to eat or, exactly. or clothing or whatever. Exactly. And then you can make those changes, like you said, trim some of that fat. Yep, exactly, exactly. So again, once you free up those dollars, after that, it's just a matter of kind of allocating them towards the goals and that you have and. Um, kind of finding that right balance between everything, right? Because if you um, have goals of saving a certain amount of money, but then you also have maybe credit card debt, um, you know, it's just about finding that right balance of maybe allocating some dollars over here, um, uh, you know, between the two. So I definitely recommend that to everyone. Um, as far as actually other things that you can do to, to kind of check up on your finances, um, I would highly suggest reviewing uh, any kind of investments that you have, uh, whether that's in an investment account that you individually own or if it's a retirement account that you have at work. Um, oftentimes, people kind of just ignore what's going on if you're contributing to an employer plan. Um, sometimes they're just kind of letting it roll and they don't really know what's going on in the accounts. Um, <laughs> I think it's very important to for people to understand uh, maybe not so much what's in the funds, but at least understanding, having the understanding of the way it's invested um, and that it's appropriate for, for their particular situation. So if you, you know, sure. if you're a few years removed from retirement and you're fully invested in stocks, you know, maybe that's not the best, uh, maybe that's not the best option for you. On the flip side, if you're a young college kid starting off work and you have a retirement plan and you're 
contributing to it and it's just sitting in cash or yeah. maybe it's in bonds or something like that that's not going to you're not going to take advantage of that compound growth and appreciation that you would get over time so just making sure that you have a good understanding of that is very very important absolutely and i'm going to pause right there because we do have a caller so i'm going to bring them on the line hi bill you're on bucy money talk hey, good morning good morning um, you, you discuss with your clients uh, long-term care insurance to protect uh, assets? Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely do. Um, it's, uh, you know, long-term care is definitely a, an important part of the financial planning process. Um, of course, it's very difficult to secure now. And uh, it because of so many claims, you know, with uh, insurance companies. But uh, I, uh, reason I bring it up, I work for hospice. Okay. And, uh, it's naturally uh, uh, with the rising cost of uh, care. Uh, it, uh, and of course, now having the requirement that you cannot transfer assets to another person um, uh, unless you've done it five years prior, uh, you uh, really have to uh, think of ways to really uh, protect your assets. I ran into this myself. My wife is deceased. And uh, so you uh, have uh, a lot of questions uh, to contemplate when uh, you know that uh, nursing home or long-term care is in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, everyone's uh, situation is unique, but in terms of you know, preparing for those kinds of things. Yeah, long-term care is definitely an important discussion that we like to have with our clients, um, just in terms of planning for the for the best you know solution when that time comes, if that time comes, right? So, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's something that we definitely talk about. And you're right. Uh, you know, long-term care policies and in, in general have been hard to uh, attain as far as like just a standalone long-term care policies anymore. Because um, you're right, the right the the rising cost of, of the expenses have kind of made those harder to, to obtain. But, um, you know, there's other there's other options out there for long-term care. Sometimes they kind of throw them in with life insurance policies, kind of create a kind of a hybrid policy. So, yeah, no, it's definitely something that we talk about with our clients, and it's definitely something we should be talking to our clients about. Well, uh, I enjoy your program, and uh, you gentlemen have a good day. You too. Thank you. Bill, thanks so much for the question. You have a good day as well. Take care. Well, Caesar, let's get into some of the other tips um, for um, doing the, the meteor financial checkup. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's see. So I, I you know, covered kind of covered some of the ways you can achieve goals. Um, the other thing too is, as far as uh, a financial checkup, um, we want to make sure that we're getting ready for for next year. Um, I know that we had a recent tax law change uh, that is going to change things next year of course so yeah, it was a big one it was it was a big <laughs> one big one that we bigger than we've had in a long time so um making sure that we're reviewing everything before you know we we you know go into next year um making sure that we're uh understanding the new withholding the that you might have to have on your paychecks if you're going to be yeah. jumped into a you know thrown into a different tax bracket um, there's going to be some changes to deductions now, so some things aren't going to be uh, deductible anymore like you might have had last year. So having an understanding of of that um, and just being ready to you know be prepared for that, be ready for Uncle Sam, um, you know, for next year. So 
I think that's very important. And and the, the main thing here, I think the theme overall is really just to to make sure that you're that you're taking charge of your financial life. Um, you know, you don't have to be an expert at everything. You don't have to understand kind of how the funds work within your within your uh, investment accounts and things like that. Um, you know, to kind of give an analogy, I'm I don't know much about cars. Uh, <laughs> I know it's, it'd be disappointing my dad, but I, because he could fix anything, but I don't know much about cars, but if I'm driving my car and it's making a funny noise, I really, I don't just ignore the problem. You know, I'll take it to a mechanic. They'll get it taken care of. And I know that I'm, you know, my car's in good shape. Same with your finances. I mean, you shouldn't just ignore the sounds and just <laughs> pretend like everything's fine. Um, you should really, you know, take it, take, take it to someone who can understand what you're going through can look at the big picture and kind of point you in the right direction uh, to make sure that, you know, your financial life is, is in good order. So. Absolutely. Yep. And then obviously Busey Wealth Management has uh, experts on staff that can help with all these different needs, um, whether it be questions on investments or, you know, long-term care, like Bill asked about, or uh, estate planning, all of those things. It's, it's all important stuff that uh, people, people should feel comfortable, uh, you know, asking for advice. I think that's okay. Uh, and I guess I would just like to say, too, that um, always keep in mind your, your goals when you're thinking about your, your mid-year checkup and your financial situation. You know, I always like to think money is really just the means to make decisions and, and the choices that we want to make down the road. Mm -hmm. um, and so just keeping those things in mind uh, are, are really important. Um, it, it gives money meaning, uh, if you will. Exactly. So I think that's always an important thing for people to keep in mind. Uh, but we are out of time, gentlemen. Uh, it's been a good show as always. Uh, Caesar, thank you for your thoughts and, and uh, guidance on doing a mid-year financial checkup. Of course. Uh, Aaron, thank you for your time and your, your expertise as always on the markets. And hopefully we have another good, uh, less volatile second mm -hmm. half of the year, right? Well, yeah, hopefully the second <laughs> half's as strong as the first, at least for the U.S. stock market. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, until then, um, you're listening to Busey Money Talk, News Talk Radio 1400 WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.